Welcome to Lacrosse Classified on the LAX All-Stars Podcast Network, presented by Extreme Threads. Your home for the latest news from the National Lacrosse League and Indoor Lacrosse. Now, let's talk some lacrosse with your hosts, Jake Elliott and Evan Schemenauer. going on lacrosse fans welcome to lacrosse classified here on the lax all-stars podcast network where we grow the game one podcast at a time it's jake elliott at seven Schemenauer back with you and thanks for joining us here on extreme threads lacrosse classified i don't know about you evan but uh that just sent chills right up my spine yeah and i wish we could be playing it under happier circumstances but uh, as we all know, the unfortunate events in Philly this weekend, um, I'd be loving to talk about how San Diego had a fantastic opening weekend, great crowd, great atmosphere, but we have a much more serious issue to address first. And we will. And for fans of the game that have maybe never heard that song before, what you just listened to was... The Iroquois Nationals, the Haudenosaunee lacrosse honor song, if you will, that is now been accepted as their anthem as they play under international competition at the FIL. So I've had a chance to to talk with a guy by the name of Neil Palace, who I'm sure a lot of lacrosse fans will know of the Palace family, very synonymous with the sport of lacrosse. Uh, Gaylord Palace and Barry Palace, kind of the two lineages where the Palace's family come from. So Delby and, and Johnny and Quinn, they come from Gaylord Palace's side. Uh, Neil is the younger brother by 17 years of Barry Palace, and uh, I had a chance to speak with him last night uh, for an extended conversation that was 
really quite fascinating. And, uh, you know, now looking back, I kind of wish I had my notepad out and, and took a, a bunch of notes over the conversation. But it, we just, we talked about so many things and including territories and traditions. And, um, but a, a large part of it was about that song that you just heard. And, Something I've been a little bit passionate about, I'd say probably more than a little bit passionate about, Evan, is getting that song played before every major lacrosse game that is played as a way to honor and and recognize where the sport has come from and uh, what the Haudenosaunee, the Iroquois, the Indigenous, the First Nations have meant to the sport of lacrosse. Absolutely. It's it's uh, something I hope to see in the near future. We're slowly starting to see some teams like the Rush and the Swarm uh, displaying the uh, Haudenosaunee flag uh, in their arenas, but uh, I think we need to get one step further and uh, recognize the anthem as well. So I kind of started down the path with Neil. Well, how did the song come to be and where did it come from and and what does it mean and and I you know I'm still efforting getting the the translation into English so I can help understand it a little bit better than I do now. Um but what I did learn from Neil that it is a lacrosse specific honor song. So in their culture they have ceremony songs and then they have kind of public songs honor songs that they will share with the public. So, you know, ceremony songs are kind of kept very, very private, um, where songs like this are, are to be shared with people. And because this song is so lacrosse specific, all the nations have kind of accepted this song as their anthem. And it's, it goes back to 1992 when the Iroquois first uh, competed in competition, and I believe it was England, and, and this is where my information get may get a little murky because I didn't write everything down when, when I was having this conversation, but I can tell you that Neil was a part of, it was either the men's team or the U19 team, and the man that you heard singing there is Orrin Lyons. He was the creator of the song if you will and and neil palace who you hear a portion of that song is actually one of the backup singers of the song and and it was recorded on a cassette tape originally because the fil acquired required them to come up with some sort of song or anthem to recognize them pre-competition uh out on the field so originally the song was recorded on a cassette tape but when they traveled to england Oren forgot to bring the tape so he actually, you know, knew the words and, and what they did, believe this or not, they went to Abbey Road in England and recorded that song that you just listened to as Oren wrote down the lyrics on a piece of paper as they were driving to the recording studio and then got there and, and sang the song and told Neil, and I wish I would have remembered the other guy's name, but they said, well, you guys know the the kind of the chorus, if you will, you'll sing as well, and I'll sing, and they just got into the studio, and they recorded it right there and then in England back in 1992, and since then, there's been a couple of different versions, and a, and a couple of tweaks, and it's been recorded a couple of different times, but um, the original version, that's when it date back to, because they used to just go, they didn't have a flag back then either, it was a staff that they brought, um, and you know, things have kind of evolved, and like I said, Neil now says that because they've been playing kind of under the banner of uh, Six Nations and the Haudenosaunee and, you know, whether you come from a different nation or a different tribe or a different region of the country, they accept that song because it is so lacrosse-specific. And take this lesson, uh, and I think uh, this week it's more important than always, that 
take that time to learn this history and learn this knowledge because it's important to this game to understand that culture and understand that uh, that history that's there, um, you know, like you've done and like I've done in the last couple of days. Yeah, and I and like you said, I've probably done more so in the last couple of days than I have uh, in the last little while. But this is something that I've kind of been pretty passionate about for for quite some time. Um, you know, I at Man Cups, Minto Cups, obviously World Championships, and and the National Lacrosse League, which I think sets the standard for everybody as far as professional lacrosse goes. I'd really like to see them introduce this. Uh, we play the Canadian, we play the American. And I don't think there's any reason that we shouldn't be playing the Haudenosaunee anthem, if you will, uh, to recognize them and their contribution to the sport of lacrosse, which, you know, they gave us. It's their sport. Uh, they invented it. And I think, you know, with the not only the amount of players that are in the league, Evan, but just, you know, the history of the game in itself, they deserve that recognition before every time that the sport is played. 100%. And if you look at the Georgia Swarm, even if they're playing an American opponent, they play the Canadian national anthem because of the number of Canadian players that are there. So I don't see why they don't play this one as well, given the number of uh, Iroquois players that are on their squad. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I don't think this is something that's that's going to happen overnight. And, um, you know, I've had a couple of comments come across social media saying things like, well, they don't play the Canadian national anthem when we're on Six Nations land. And I said, well, why do you think that is? And, you know, I've asked a couple of people that, and they really kind of accustom it to, well, they feel like if they were recognized, then they would be much more inclined to recognize the Canadian or American flag. And I, and I, and I get that. They've been oppressed for so long, Evan, that I think it's, it's going to be the other side that has to give a little bit before they get yeah, I deal with that oppression every day at work. Um, for those that don't know, I'm a chartered accountant, but uh, my specialty actually is First Nations finances, and I get to see the other side of the coin every day, and the history that's there, it's it's appalling in many cases, and it's something that I think before anybody ever passes judgment needs to understand to get the full picture. Yeah, and you're going to share a little bit of that. Uh, I know you had a, a chance to chat with the chief on the reservation that uh, that you work on, and, and, and now I guess we'll get into why this discussion has come up. And we're going to go long here on Lacrosse Classified this week. There's no doubt about it, but this, is, I feel, is a extremely important conversation, one that needs to be had, and... and uh, we're going to take the time to address it. You know, I actually, something I wanted to hit on in the open was uh, the incident that happened with the San Diego Seals players uh, down in San Diego jumping off a cliff and having to be rescued by lifeguards. I've heard a couple of reports that, uh, anyways, I, I don't even want to get into it because it's it seems so irrelevant right now, but I'm, I'm glad those two guys are okay and, um, you know, hopefully uh, that sort of thing doesn't happen again. But hopefully this sort of thing we're about to talk to never happens again as uh we saw a tweet come out for lyle thompson um you know in the evening saturday night after his game in philadelphia uh referencing the pa announcer over you know a live microphone saying that they should snip the ponytail off of lyle thompson who 
went off for five goals in that game, by the way. And as you know, Evan, Philadelphia has a reputation for having some pretty ruthless sports fans. They got a, a reputation for being a great sports town as well. And, and I don't want to paint the brush of all Philly sports fans because of a couple of clowns in the in the crowd. And, and Lyle just kind of putting out that it, this wasn't a chant that was heard inside the Wells Fargo Center. This was two individuals behind the swarm bench that after the PA announcer saying, let's clip the ponytail, started to taunt Lyle Thompson saying they were going to scalp him. And I can't begin to tell you how offensive that is uh, for many reasons, but let's go back to the PA announcer. Uh, Shawnee Hill is his name uh, that works out of of Philadelphia, also works for the Flyers and has a couple other positions. And I want to preface this by saying I'm a a big believer in, in second chances for people. And a lot of the social media I've read has been calling for Shawnee Hill's head and, and to fire him. And, and both you and I, Evan, I think agree here that that might not be the best course of action here. Um, it's He's come out with an apology. I'll say the apology was pretty weak. And I don't know if I'm ready to accept that apology or think it's a sincere one. Uh, the Philadelphia Wings have also come out with a statement, as has the league. You can kind of see all that stuff online. I don't need to read it word for word for verbatim, but I think both groups in the Philadelphia Wings and the National Lacrosse League both feel uh, embarrassed by this. They're not going to tolerate it. Uh, they're going to take disciplinary action. We don't really know what that is yet. As you kind of alluded to off the top, where we need to get with this is educating people on not only why it was so insensitive and offensive and, and idiotic to say something like that, but to understand why the Thompson brothers wear their braids, why it's important to them, and why it should be important to us. And I know you kind of had a chance to talk to the chief on the reservation that you work on, Evan, and he had some pretty poignant words for you. And as much as I knew how I needed to address, I knew how I felt, I felt it was important to educate myself a little further because I, as much as I've tried to learn the history and the, the reasons for a lot of the issues that happen uh, at the first nation, I don't know the whole story. And that's why I use this once again as an opportunity to try and learn. I called the chief and, you know, I, I flat out told him how I felt as to what should happen to Shawnee Hill. And, because one thing, of course, I was a little afraid of is maybe my thought pattern didn't align with what the First Nations perspective would be. But I was surprised to find out I was almost spot on. And uh, here's here's the thing about it, is that if they go and fire Shawnee Hill, it's a temporary relief. But does Shawnee Hill learn from us? Not a whole lot. Does the team learn from this? Probably not. They put it past them. The key is they need to educate people. And the chief and I are very much on the same point that this comment comes out really as a point of ignorance, um, not understanding what the braid means in their culture. And there's been a lot of... uh, tweets out there as to what the braid might mean. And I asked the chief because he actually, he has one. And I, can you tell me what this means? Now, uh, this of course is coming from a Cree culture. 
a Mohawk or an Ojibwe culture. It might be a little different there, but here's exactly what he told me. He told me that it is told that the maintaining of a braid is ceremonial. When a baby is born, the spirit fire is placed in the back of the head in the soft spot of the head. The braid represents the spirit fire, and having a braid honors that spirit. This is just how important it is in their culture to have this. There was, um, about 10 years ago, there was a series of apologies that the federal government went under for residential schools. And I won't get into massive details, but in effect, for 100 years, the government took children out of the reservation, took them away from their parents, put them in boarding school. The whole idea literally was to, I'm not going to knock racist term here, but this is just a term that the government used in the day, was to take the Indian out of the child. That was the whole point. They were trying to eliminate this culture. And when they went to these residential schools, they were not allowed to speak their language. They were not allowed to have any traditional garments. And if they had the traditional braid, the church administrators would cut it off. This is the type of oppression that happened in the past. And this type of comment is to take that culture away. And it's completely unacceptable. Yeah, and, and it's it's that's I think the real sensitive part and, and for the First Nations, the indigenous that know their roots and know their history, that was the major offensive part is that is kind of how they related it to as their ancestors had to actually go through this and I have a, a tweet here from Lyle Thompson about actually why he has long hair and he refers to himself as a Native American and, and I think that term right there Evan just to educate people a little more Native American I think that is a term that they use with each other I don't think that's necessarily a term that we should use when referring to the indigenous or the first nations people. So Lyle mentions it because they have what they call native American month in the USA. And, um, this is what he says. I travel often. And every time I go through security at an airport, the scanner always asked to double check the back of me, my braid. It always turns into a conversation about why I have it. And the quick answer is I'm native American, but come to think of it. That doesn't answer much. I think the answer applies to most natives is it's part of our identity, its tradition, its culture. Even when we cut it, most people keep it and use it for something. I personally never gave it much thought. My parents start, started it and told me I couldn't cut it until I was 18. But now I see that it is a connection to my ancestors. It carries the tradition, and it's always been what identifies me as being Native American. I guess that's why it's not my short answer. So... You can tell right there. Tradition, culture, it's what identifies him with his people. We don't want to spend too much more time on this, Evan, but, but you know, what, what happened in Philadelphia is very appalling. Um, and, I, and I really hope, uh, like you said, the league takes the time um, to address this properly and, and gives the education like they would for mm – -hmm social media training or you know media training in front of the camera or whatever the case is to have some education here uh to learn the history of the sport 
Yeah, and a lot of people were shocked last night when I put out a series of tweets that towards the end it was, don't fire Shawnee uh, Hill. And the the impression I got from the Chief, which is the same impression as me, is take some time away from the game, educate yourself, come back a stronger person. And the Chief told me this one story, and I'll get through it real quick. Back in 1982, there was a constitutional crisis in Canada, and a couple of the Saskatchewan leaders who were major players with the First Nations, Jim Sinclair and Saul Sanderson, were meeting with Pierre Trudeau, and they're getting all kinds of racist abuse hurled at them. They could have walked away, they could have yelled, and they didn't. They sat there, and they educated these politicians. And Section 35 of the Constitution is there today because they didn't... Uh, bite into the hate that was there for them. They wanted to educate. And that's the message that I've got from the First Nations leaders is take anything away from this, learn. Learn about the culture. Learn about the past. And learn what's important to them so that you better understand how we can have a cohesive culture come forward out of this. Yeah, absolutely, Evan. And and I... I you know I reached out to Lyle and and I imagine that he's had every news outlet through Canada and US um wanting to get a comment out of him and um my my message to him was I'm here if you want me and uh you're more than welcome to come on and and share your story and your message but uh the real reason I was texting was just to to say sorry uh that he had to go through something like that and, and be targeted and and Lyle Thompson may be the greatest lacrosse player on the planet right now and has been nothing but the most classy gracious ambassador this sport could have and it just made me absolutely sick to my stomach to have to see and hear that he had to go through something like that so um, the door is always open for Lyle Thompson here in Lacrosse Classified. There's no doubt about that. And um, I wanted to kind of give it another week before we maybe address it formally with somebody from the league or or um, maybe a, a First Nations player that has experienced something similar that uh, can shed a little more light. But I wanted to give you a little little history lesson on the song and um, – and what it's all about, and uh, hopefully uh, things progress and, and people just uh, be better and, and be kind to each other. Yeah, so I, I, luckily most of the lacrosse community has highly condemned this, but I think it's not just a condemnation that that community needs to take. Take the time to improve yourself. Well said, uh, Evan Shemanar. Let's uh, let's move on to the big show here. Speaking of the big show, we got a great one for you again here on Lacrosse. This is our tenth episode, by the way, Evan Shemanar. We've hit double digits here on Extreme <laughs> Threads Lacrosse Classified. Uh, big show coming up. Shawnee Evans of the Peterborough Lakers Nationwide Lacrosse, and of course the Buffalo Bandits and. Not sure if he's still the leading scorer of the league, as I haven't actually had a chance to check that. He now. is still okay. by quite a bit. Okay, so he's top of the table still. Sean Evans, the leading scorer of the National Lacrosse League, will join us here on Lax Class, and uh, then we will head to SoCal, down south to San Diego, and catch up with the dangerous one, Dan Dawson, who I always love talking lacrosse with. 
will join us on the big show. But uh, let's get into the games of the week here, Evan. And I guess we talked a lot about Georgia and Philadelphia, but let's start there. 13-11, the final swarm move to 4-0, New England to 0-4, or excuse me, Philadelphia to 0-4. Tough one for the Wings. Uh, Georgia keeps it going, uh, led by one Lyle Thompson. Yeah, and the game could have been decided even before it started. I was shocked to see David DeRusio back between the pipes, especially after Bucken had such a fantastic game the week before, but uh, you know, Drusi only lasted 16 minutes, six goals on 17 shots. But Bucken really put in a heck of a performance to get his team back in there. Philly's slow starts have killed them. They continue to kill them. You know, they got two goals in the first two minutes. You think, okay, maybe this trend is ending, and then Georgia runs off eight straight in the next 15 minutes. Yeah, They've got to get that under control because – you know, they were playing catch up the rest of the night. They almost got there. They were within one at one stage, but uh, you got to play that full 60 minutes and they played 45. Yeah, it's you. that's really been the pattern for the Wings uh, since the onset. Slow starts, battle back, get close, can't finish it. Uh, I really think Bucken's going to be the guy there in Philadelphia. He just needs minutes, and I would expect uh, Coach Day to go with him. Uh, for the extended future, uh, tight one in Colorado, maybe the kind of the same sort of thing for Colorado. Well, maybe not. Uh, they're handled pretty convincingly against San Diego, but lose a tight one here to Toronto, who has found a way to win a couple of close games uh, the last couple, 11-10 over the Mammoth. And here's the key to this game. Toronto had 68 shots on goal, missed 17 shots. Colorado only had 42 shots on goal, missed 30. Nick Rose and the Toronto defense were making Colorado miss their shots all night. And it only ended up being a one-goal game, but that many shots off target ultimately killed the Mammoths in this one. But you got to give it to Dylan Ward, you know, 57 for 68. He, He was definitely not the reason they lost this one. No, he was not, and uh, I think Colorado bounces back next weekend against the Roughnecks. We'll cover that in Who You Got coming up uh, later in the show. Uh, New England, in convincing fashion over Calgary, Curtis Dixon signs a contract. He plays for the Roughnecks, and oddly enough, the Roughnecks lose and only put up 10 goals and allow 16 to New England, uh, and a team that was consistently holding teams under 10 defensively gives up 16 and uh, can only muster 10 themselves. 16-10, this game never really close between the Black Wolves and Roughnecks. Christian Dale Bianco had an off night. He's going to have an off night from here here and there. But unfortunately, a few crazy bounces where it went off the post, off his back, and in, I think it happened twice. So, you know, these things are going to happen. A lot of people commenting about Reese Dutch and Curtis Dixon both having zero goals on the night you know they can stop worrying about this dixon hasn't had a practice with this team let alone played a game this is going to come the roughnecks need curtis dixon in the lineup they're going to win the championship if they win the championship everybody's going to forget about this game but one thing to take out of this you really now have to take new england seriously they've got to win against the rush they got to win against the roughnecks 
games that are not going to be easy for them to win, they're now a serious contender at this stage. Yep, I'm starting to be a believer of the Black Wolves after uh, that performance in Calgary. Two more games to go. This one I was at. Uh, you watched online. I'm a little offended you didn't just listen online. But anyways, we'll uh, we'll discuss that another time. The game featuring Saskatchewan at Vancouver and the Rush jumping out to a 5 nothing lead at one point to start this game. They chase Aaron Bold. Give Vancouver some credit, Evan. Uh, I thought this one was going to be a bit of a laugher at that point, but they battle all the way back to tie the game up at 8, but then kind of fade down the stretch, which has been a little bit of their issues of a late 14-10 Rush or the Warriors. And you got to really look at Ben McIntosh here. Another five-goal performance out of him. He's a tie for second in league goals, but he's played two fewer games than Dane Dobie that's actually got the league with 15. Here's the thing. I was, you know, give it to Eric Penny. He came in, he, you know, shut the door for quite a long time. He gave his team a chance to get back in that game. And, you know, he's probably still not going to be the starter there, but, you know, he, he stepped in admirably. I think back and, you know, some of the games you had the broadcast last year and uh, how tough it was when the stealth got down quick. And as soon as it was four, nothing, five minutes in, I'm like, uh Oh, your old friend, Brad Chandler is going to have a game of being positive, but the rush let off the pedal. Derek Keenan admitted this, that they let off the pedal. They let the warriors back in the game. That's something that they got to correct to make sure that doesn't happen again. Yeah, it was kind of weird to see Brad Challoner up in the broadcast booth and working and not working with him. And he just, you know, like he pretty much just ignored me, pretended like I wasn't even there. It was like we never even knew each other. And on he went doing his job. Uh, it hurt a little bit. No, I'm just kidding. We had a we had a good dinner <laughs> pregame, and uh, it was neat to call a game from from Rogers Arena in the Jim Robson broadcast booth and and see my old buddy Brad Challoner. Uh, you're right. I thought Eric Penny was really good in that game, but they will go back to Aaron Bold. But uh, listen, like for Vancouver to win lacrosse games, Aaron Bold probably has to be the best warrior, if you will. Uh, he'll have to be his, the best player on his team, and. They need like big production out of Logan Schuss and Mitch Jones, and they just didn't get it that game. And we all know Logan can be a streaky player, and he just uh, had an off night and give you know Kyle Rubish and company some credit there as well, shutting him down. But um, that's you know if Vancouver's going to win games, that's what needs to happen. Schuss has to go off big, and and Bold has to be at his best, and neither of those things happen for Vancouver. As they fall to one and four, and will host San Diego this weekend. Uh, one more game to go as the Seals kicked off their home schedule. The final team to do that, and they take on the Rochester Nighthawks. Seals win on their home floor and move to two and two. Twelve ten. The final announcement is it was really nip and tuck the entire way. Tied at half. Tied after the third quarter. Uh, San Diego gets a couple of late ones and win this one by two. Yeah, and for an opening night game, you couldn't have asked for a better game. I don't think anybody had a lead more than two the entire game. Lead switch back and forth. That's the kind of excitement you really want to uh, teach those fans. And, you know, the building was uh, almost sold out. It's a good sign, but let's take it a little bit in perspective. And the reason I say that is, 
We go back to 2016 when Saskatchewan and Georgia both moved to their new locations. Both teams had 9,000 opening night, and you have totally different stories that happened since. Uh, Georgia, you know, attendance falls off the map. Saskatchewan has sellouts. It's really what's going to happen in those second and third and fourth games that's really going to tell where San Diego goes from here. But, you know, awesome shots took over in that fourth quarter. Dan Dawson all of a sudden started becoming a goal-scoring threat, uh, which he hadn't been the first couple of games, but he was given that opportunity all of a sudden to, to push, and he did it. Rochester, their special teams really kept them in this. They were four for five on the power play. They were six for six on the penalty kill. So that's the type of thing San Diego definitely needs to shore up. But in a game of small differences, you know, the, the young phenom is starting to show uh, just why he's so good. Yeah, well, he's uh, he's. I'm going to have to come up with a nickname for, for Austin Stats because I usually like to do that with – with uh, you know some impact players around the league, whether it's the Iceman, the the Mailman, the Phenom, uh, the Prodigy, whatever have what have you, uh, I think Austin Stotts is approaching territory where we're going to need to to come up with something for him because he's that special. That game also featuring uh, my old boss and the, the former GM of the Vancouver franchise, Doug Locker, making his color commentary debut on Bleacher Report Live, and uh, thought the old lock dog did well. Yeah, if you. Uh, errors here and there, and it's going to take some time to gel with his new partner. But good for good for his performance for sure. Yeah, so uh, that that was fun to see, and that was uh, the week that was in the National Lacrosse League. It was a busy one, but we have an even busier one coming up this week. We'll get to all that and who you got later on in the show. But on the other side, we have the leading scorer of the National Lacrosse League, thirty-two-year-old. Sean Evans will join the program right after this. You got it locked here on Lacrosse Classified on the Lax All Stars Podcast Network. Pure Vital Labs is proud to bring you the highest quality sports supplements on the market. PVL products are 100% all natural with no artificial flavors, colors, or sweeteners. And the entire line is also Informed Choice certified. We designed all our products with the athlete in mind. We look forward to being a part of your athletic achievements, helping you push the bar higher, win at the highest levels, and set personal records for years to come. This is Tyson Geick of the NLL Flash. You're listening to Lacrosse Classified on Locks All-Stars. Growing the game one podcast at a time. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Classified here on the Lax All-Stars Podcast Network. And as always, big thanks to our friends at Pure Vital Labs. They make the good stuff there. Uh, all your supplements, all natural. Uh, tons of lacrosse players um, under their stable. I know they were down at LaxCon. I saw Trevor Baptiste and Chris Cluche uh, signing autographs, kicking babies, uh, all that sort of stuff, and promoting PVL. Check them out at pvl.com. Anything else would be on Sportsman, like uh, now joining the podcast here on Lacrosse Classified, and uh, we should probably preface this because honesty is always the best policy. We are doing a retake here as my laptop crashed, and we lost the Sean, interview, Sean Evans interview yesterday. So we're doing this again. So now join us, uh, Sean Evans. He is the only lacrosse player in history to win the Minto Cup, the Man Cup, and the NLL Cup all within a 12-month span, and only one of three lacrosse players to win Minto Cups in back-to-back years with two different teams. The MVP from 2013 and a member of the Buffalo Bandits, Peter Lakers, and owner of Nationwide Lacrosse, Sean Evans, joining the program. Thanks for doing this once again, Shawnee. 
No problem, Jake. Thanks for having me on today. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to be here. All right. Uh, well, Buffalo, the only team not in action uh, from a week ago, Sean. What what does a, a veteran of the National Cross League like yourself do in an off week? Uh, you know, mo- most time during off week, you want to kind of recover. You know, kind of uh, you know stay um, you know stay in the gym, kind of maintain um, and just just keep your body ready to go for the following week. But the biggest thing is staying healthy. Um, you know, a biggest thing, especially the older older you get, the uh, you know more uh, more things usually go on you. But the uh, biggest thing from here now is just staying healthy and making sure I'm ready to go each each and every week and doing what I can to make that happen. Yeah, it's- but. Um, I- Unfortunately, this week uh, we got hit with the flu, family flu, so uh, you know I was out for a couple of days, but we rebounded well. Yeah, that that sucker's going around. I think I uh, I had that last week as well. Uh, it's hitting people pretty hard, uh, and I always kind of tend you to being like an older guy in the league. But I think it's because you joined the National Cross League at such a young age. You're only 32 years old and leading the the league and scoring right now. I mean, do you feel like you're playing your best lacrosse right now, Sean? Because like. It seems like you are, and 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 the stats back it up. Yeah, you know, I I, I feel like I can still do a little bit more. I still feel like um, you know I talked about being in shape. But I think I got I got to you know get a little bit faster. Um, still out there, but right now you know I'm feeling pretty good. I'm feeling good on the floor. Um, you know, the teammates around uh, around me, and uh, you know we we got pretty good chemistry going right now. Um, and we're just trying to keep things going. You know, right now it's just like I said, trying to stay healthy. Trying to maintain my body and trying to uh, play as long as I can. You know, I've been. Uh, I think I'm going into my 14th uh, season, and you know, and and I cherish uh, every moment that an opportunity arises, and uh, just to show what I can do on the floor and uh, be there with my teammates. Yeah, a lot of talent, obviously, surrounding you on that Buffalo offense. Josh Byrne and Jordan Durston, Dane Smith, who's kind of been in and out of the lineup a little bit. Um, do you find, like, when Daner's out of the lineup, do you have to change your game to kind of adapt or maybe pick up the slack or play a different role when guys go out of the lineup, or do you just kind of go about your business and play the kind of lacrosse that Sean Evans has always played? I think it's just finding that happy balance. Um, you know, just trying to be trying, trying to be in a smart um, being a smart lacrosse player, knowing who's on the floor with you, knowing what's going on around you, and uh, and doing what you can to you know, to make your team successful and to do whatever you can to make your offense successful. You know, if, if you see a guy like Danes get the ball, sometimes you want to, you know, get away or set picks for him, you know, and vice versa. Hopefully he's doing the same. Um, you know, we have a talented offense. You know, guys can do a lot of things. It's just, it's just finding uh, finding that rhythm to make everyone uh, comfortable and to, you know, make everyone successful. And um, I think right now we're pulling all the same rope and we got to continue to do that. You know, uh, that's the best thing about being on a team and, and, and playing lacrosse is just that, uh, you know, showing up for practice, showing up for games, and, and having a group full of friends fighting oh, for the same thing. Yeah, and, and, and one of those friends and, and one of those new guys on the offense and uh, a guy that you just won another man cup with uh, with the Peterborough Lakers and Thomas Hogarth, who's been moved up from the back end in a transition role to now playing uh, a full-time offensive role, and he's really flourishing there. I know you guys kind of ride to the arena together when you travel from Peterborough to Buffalo. What do you like about Thomas Hogarth's game besides the fact that he's from Peterborough? But you guys have really seemed to mesh well together. Yeah, you know, you can't say much about uh, Tom Hogarth's, um, we call him Hoagie, um, his play this year. So, you know, he's been he's been stellar. He's been nothing but um, doing everything that you'd ask, you'd want from a player. He's, he's been gritty. He's been finding the, 
the dirty spots on the floor, and he's making the other making the other teams pay for it. You know, uh, you look at the first couple of games; he had six goals, and none of them were off him carrying the ball. It was off 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 broken plays, off the backboards, and they're all stellar, beautiful goals. And uh, you know, he's he's been doing his job, finding that uh, his niche on the his niche on the on the offense, and you know. You know, we drive together every weekend, so we get to you know talk a little bit and what's going on and how we want to play, and and it's it's been fun. Right now, it's fun. It's fun lacrosse. You know, we're having fun out there. We're playing. We're doing what we do, and uh, we just want to keep this going. Speaking with Sean Evans of the Buffalo Bandits, and it, I'm still not really comfortable saying that, Sean. I don't know how comfortable you have gotten in Buffalo. You you start out your career in Rochester. Uh, for a number of years, and then you and then you head to Calgary. But really, Rochester is Buffalo's biggest rival, and you probably spent a lot of nights in Banditland, where the fans there heckled you and and had all sorts of things to to say to you. But you're kind of a guy that thrives off of that. But now you got Banditland behind you there in Buffalo. What's what's it been like for the last year and a half uh, being a Bandit? Has it taken a while to get used to that? Uh, you know, not really, but, you know, definitely my first six years playing in Rochester, you definitely felt the I-90 rivalry going on, uh, you know, with, uh, the Buffalo and Rochester fans, there was, uh, you know, I'm sure I was hated. Uh, I remember the 2007, uh, seven year, I'm sure they really hated me then, but, uh, you know, last year and a half has been nothing but, uh, but great, you know, Buffalo is where I want to be. Um, it, it's close to home. It's, uh, it's got a great atmosphere and, and great ownership. Um, the behind the scenes, um, guys like Scott Laffer, Trugger, um, our coaching staff, they do nothing but, uh, you know, treat us with first class, you know, if it's the, the meals, video, you know, talking to us, everything that we do is first class and, and you don't see an organization like that. And, uh, to have that and to be here and to have the fan base behind us and, and hopefully the fan base behind me is, uh, hopefully it's going to get better. And, uh, you know, we have big goals set ahead for our team, and uh, we're, we're ready to get there. Yeah, I want to I want to talk about some maybe some other places that you want to be and, and some goals that you want to set, but you mentioned coaches, and I and I can't help but ask what it must be like for, for you who has really accomplished just about everything in the sport of lacrosse, but then you kind of look over your shoulder and you see an absolute legend and maybe the best box lacrosse. Well, I'm just going to say it. He's the best box lacrosse player to ever do it. Who, yeah, is now, who is now your coach. Uh, pretty easy to get motivated and, and pay attention and listen to a guy like John Tavares. Oh, absolutely it is. Um, I know when being a younger kid, you know, one of my role models was watching him play and seeing what he does and, and just the vision around the floor. And, you know, I think I, I do a lot of those things, um, you know, well as well, you know, as well. Um, but, you know, he was definitely the best at it. And, uh, you know, it's great, to, it's great to have him on the bench and, and seeing seeing what what he's saying to you and what he's talking about and uh, just seeing uh, kind of the vision that he's going at, you know, it's it's always great to see. And you know, I've had a chance to play with them. I've, I've played against them, and now I'm getting coached by them. So it's uh, it's a unique a unique opportunity, and I'm just uh, I'm excited and you know grateful for this opportunity. A couple of more minutes here with Sean Evans of the Buffalo Bandits. Um, before we get to some other stuff, Philly on the horizon, you guys. Played a tough game with them early in the season. Uh, you managed to squeak that one out, but they come back into into your barn this weekend after a week off. Um, tell me about this Philadelphia team. I mean, they they may be the best 0-4 expansion team I've ever seen, and, and they're going to give you a tough test uh, come this weekend. Yeah, most definitely. You know, you know, I think both expansion teams are, are doing really well. Um, 
you know, I probably thought uh, Philly should have won there a couple weeks ago. But, uh, you know, they let one slip. But, you know, you know, hey, we played them once already. You know, they had they in their building. It was 15 15 and with the last minute to, to go in the game. So we can't take these guys lightly. You know, they're a good team. Um, you know, they got good shooters and they run the ball at the floor well. So we can't take this team lightly and we got to be ready to go. You know, every game in this league, you got to be ready and focused to go each time. Because if, if you're not ready, um, the team that's ready to work is usually going to come out ahead. Yeah, that's that's really the National Lacrosse League, isn't it? As we speak with Sean Evans here on Lacrosse Classified, a um, couple more for you, Sean, before we let you go. I know you got to get out of here. you got a house full of kids to take care of. Um, Team Canada and the World uh, Indoor Lacrosse Championships just around the corner in Langley in September. I know you're focused on the National Lacrosse season, season right now, but uh, it's kind of got to be in the back of your mind. Do you think you got another run in you with Team Canada? Well, I hope so. I think this would be my last. If I do, uh, I put my name in for it. I, I do want to do it. Um, I'm excited for it. You know, it's something that playing for my country is always a great opportunity. And, you know, I think this would be my last run at it. Um, oh, so hopefully I make, make it right back to, um, you know, but that's up to the coaching staff to pick their, who they want to pick. And, you know, I, I'm here and I'm willing to do whatever it takes to, you know, represent my country and do what's best for the team. So I'm, I'm hoping to look forward to it. Langley if I am there um if not you know best luck to everyone that is there but I hopefully I'm part of it and uh I can make it a, a three well I tell you what uh if I'm coaching that team Sean Evans you're on my squad I know it's such a, a, a it's a tough thing like I mean honestly Canada could probably throw two or three teams into that tournament and and compete uh very well for it it's it's a very tough roster to crack I wish you the best of luck in that one more for you before we let you go I couldn't uh let you go before we talk about nationwide lacrosse I know your boy Selfers moved on to Colorado, but uh, you got the nephew Turner under your stable now here with Nationwide Lacrosse, and you guys are really one of the pioneers as far as uh, a program or a company that's kind of gone around, got into schools, and, and teaching the youth uh, the sport of box lacrosse. What's on the horizon? What's new with Nationwide? Yeah, you know, it's a great opportunity that, uh, you know, actually Brad went moved to Colorado, and my cousin Turner Evans uh, is with me now, you know, a Ohio State graduate. Um, you know, San Diego Seal in the National Cross League. Uh, you know, he's, he's a smart kid, great IQ. And, uh, you know, yeah, we biggest thing that we do, you know, we, we travel to elementary schools and teach the sport of lacrosse to, you know, new uh, new player or new lacrosse players and uh, just try to get expo- get lacrosse exposed everywhere. And a lot of schools we go to, you know, they don't know anything about lacrosse. And it's really, it's Canada's national summer sport. So it's kind of a unique thing to try to get into schools you know, we do a little bit of a presentation and kind of do a little bit of the history of lacrosse, and then they get the hands-on of, uh, you know, we bring sticks, we bring balls, and, and we teach them the skills of lacrosse. And by the end of it, they're having a blast. And, you know, we leave them with a poster and a, and a you know, signed autograph poster, which, which is great. And then we're also hoping to move into the U.S. market where uh, to teach uh, some of the U.S. Uh, players some uh, lacrosse IQ. Uh, kind of the, you know, we've been playing for a long time now, so I think we can help out in that market. Um, so that's what we're looking to do next. You know, we're just looking to do a little bit more and just keep busy and kind of do what we do and, and teach the cross and, and try to grow the game. I lied to you, Sean Evans. One more. Uh, don't be shy and bring that bring that thing uh, west, uh, if you don't mind as well. I think some fans and, and some players would love to learn uh, from the Evans boys out on the West Coast here. Uh, and speaking of the West Coast, there's been a bit of a debate going on on Twitter lately about the best junior team of all time. And I think the first chance I ever had to watch you play live was at Queens Park Arena when you were picked up by Six Nations, I, I want to say 2007. 
um, yeah. for the Minto Cup, and and what a team that was. I don't know if you remember this, but. That literally came down to a, a – you must remember this. It came down Nanakoke scoring with like .5 left on the clock to get you guys into the final. I remember you goading somebody into a crucial penalty near the end of that game. Do you do you remember all of that? I do. I do. I remember that clearly. Clear as day, I remember that. Yeah. You don't forget, you don't forget those championship uh, memories. Um, yeah, I did. I did. You know, this one guy, I forget who it was, but he was on me the entire game and – Late in the game, you know, I goaded him into a little bit of a penalty, and he retaliated, and, uh, you know, the refs, you know, seen that. So. <laughs> yes, they did. And that was a huge turning point in that game and uh, kind of spurred you guys on into the final, and, and you go on to win it, uh, a team that featured Cody Jameson, of course, and uh, a bunch of other star-studded players. Uh, that, that team's got to be in the conversation for one of the best ever. Absolutely. You know, that team, uh, that team was a highly skilled team and, and just, uh, it was great to be a part of, you know, having the opportunity to go down there, learn, learn, uh, learn a little bit about, uh, lacrosse down in six nations and, and, and winning, it just tops everything off. So it was just a great experience, you know, playing like guys like Cody Jameson, Craig Point, you know, guys that, you know, I'm friends with to this day and, uh, who I still talk to and, you know, Sid Smith, who our captain was, yeah, um, yeah. You know, uh, it was great. It was a great opportunity, and a lot of guys on that team that if I do see, I still talk to. So it's, uh, you know, one of those things that it was it was a great year and a great way to top things off. Okay, I promise. Last one here for you, Sean Evans. And, and you just <laughs> mentioned – I'm sorry, but I, and I got to ask you this because it's – it's uh, the the topic right now, and you just mentioned Six Nations, and obviously what we saw on, on Saturday night in Philadelphia with Lyle Thompson uh, is something that you never want to see or hear. Yeah. Um, and, and something that you and I have probably never had to experience, but um, just give me your thoughts on, on what you what you feel like needs to happen here going forward for – for people to, to help understand the, the tradition and, and culture um, of the Indigenous, the First Nations people? Yeah, you know, that's um, definitely the wrong thing to say. Um, that definitely wasn't right. You know, the, we're, we're in a new age nowadays. You know, uh, you know everyone's, um, everyone's basically, you know, there's a lot of people, a lot of different things happening in this world nowadays that we're comfortable with now, and we're letting, uh, letting go. And, and that's the way that's the way it should be, you know. Uh, yeah. Making the marks towards um, Lyle Thompson like that of his hair, you know, that's him. That's who he wants to be, and that's part of his culture. And who, who do we have to say, or, or somebody else have to say to, you know, because you're on, the, on a different opposing team to to make remarks like that? You know, that's that's uncalled for, and uh, you know, it's definitely not shouldn't be allowed in this game. And looking at some of the stuff. Uh, some of the stuff already, I, I see that the guy's been fired from yeah. Philadelphia, which, yeah. you know, was a good start. You kind of knew that was going that way. Yeah. But it just, it's just a starting point, you know, uh, letting people know that uh, you got to watch what you say. You know, right now, um, you know what, you know, I know sports get heated and then things get intense, but there's no, there's no, um, no need to, to go that far and, and bring your background, bring your family, bring uh, history um, in, into stuff like that. You know, you know, it's, it's just no need for it. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And I, and I think at the end of the day, Sean, uh, just like educate yourself on on why and 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 why they do what they do and why they look the way they look and and yeah. uh, all that sort of stuff. I think just you know 
edu- educating yourself and having that knowledge is 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 the power. And and then those thoughts probably don't enter your mind. Uh, hey, I know I kept you long here, Evie, and I, I really appreciate you doing this for a second well, time. Here and uh, well, on, on that on that same topic, it's yeah. just, that's why it's a great opportunity when I played in Six Nations to to learn the culture sure. and to learn some of the stuff that goes on. And and if people don't know it, you know, get to know it because it's it's something uh, unique. And uh, to learn about the history, learn about the history of lacrosse, and just all of that. It's uh, it's it's unique to see kind of how where it began and how it started. So you know, I, I encourage everyone to uh, you know follow up on that and, and learn a little bit more about it. Yeah, well said, man. It's eye opening and it's really quite fascinating when you when you kind of dive into it. Uh, Hey, uh, thanks a lot, Sean. Best of luck against uh, the Philly Wings. Uh, keep that scoring going, man, and we'll see if you end up uh, on top when it when it's all said and done later in the year, and hopefully we can catch up again. Awesome. You got it. Thanks, Jake. Appreciate right. it, bud. Thanks, Sean Evans of the Buffalo Bandits. Peterborough Lakers and owner of Nationwide Lacrosse. They take on the Philadelphia Wings this weekend in National Lacrosse League action. Quick break to come, and we'll be back with the dangerous one. Dan Dawson joins us on the other side here on Lacrosse Classified. Associated Labels and Packaging is in the business of creating first impressions. They'll help you reflect your company values accurately by offering solutions that fit your product needs. With the latest in printing technology and over 35 years of experience, Associated Labels and Packaging is the perfect fit for your company to take your labels and packaging to the next level. Hey, this is Lyle Thompson, and you're listening to The Cross Classified on The Cross Officers. Welcome back to Lacrosse Classified here on the Lax All-Stars Podcast Network. Thanks to our friends at Associated Labels and Packaging. They create first impressions. They are the best at what they do. If your company needs a label or a package, find my friends at Associated Labels and Packaging at associated-labels.com. It's Jake Elliott. It's Evan Schemenauer. And now joined on the podcast by the dangerous one, Dan Dawson, my good friend Dan Dawson, back on the show. Dan, uh, I know you're down in SoCal for the week. How's it going down in sunny California? It's amazing. Um, if you don't have a smile on your face down here in January, you got you got some issues. A little different than, I guess, uh, January in Saskatoon, where you were a year ago. I know you reside in Ontario, but... Uh, a guy that's been around the National Lacrosse League a little bit now, Dan. Let's say that. Uh, where does San Diego rank as far as places to play? You know, it's relatively new. I didn't hit up training camp until really the first week of December. So still getting kind of entrenched in the community here and getting used to the city. But as far as the date, it's been an amazing experience. And the weather's been obviously amazing. And uh, the people have been pretty open to... Uh, the new game out here, we're, we're kind of twofold here as lacrosse players. We know we got to play the sport, but at, at the same time, we have to be great ambassadors and promote this sport because lacrosse has obviously made its westward movement out here, but we're still trying to introduce the indoor game to a lot of the field players out here. And that would be pretty exciting Saturday night. The building's almost full. The cl- crowd seems to really be into it. How is the atmosphere inside the building? Of course, we can only see it uh, live or on the VR uh, feed. The atmosphere was fantastic. The fans were with us right till the end of the game. It was great because it was a back-and-forth game, really close game, back-and-forth with a lot of lead changes. And the game was 10-10, and we squeezed in those last two goals to kind of pull away 
Um, and the fans that we talked to after the game with the interaction, you know, obviously asked a lot of questions about um, what the sport was about, but they just couldn't say enough about the fast pace, the hard hitting and the nonstop action of like, we had to be engaged the whole 60 minutes because there was something new happening every second. Yeah, and that's that's really the the National Cross League in a nutshell. And I've I've listened to a, a couple of sports personalities down there that have um, taken to the sport for the first time, and it's always interesting to hear what a per like a, a legit sports fan, but has never seen indoor lacrosse. It's it's really interesting to hear their take on what kind of things they notice and what kind of questions they have. Exactly right, and. Some of the ones that have had, I mean, I've been in the league for 18 years, so it's like the same questions. It was like, that guy was like on a breakaway, and then he changed or he pulled the ball out. How come you guys go offense, defense? I don't really know what a possession call is. Sometimes ref will, it's at their discretion. So sometimes I always say there's a lot of gray areas in the indoor game, but the, you know, the way I equate it to is it's the theory of basketball with the five-on-five sets, the picking and rolling, the screens, with the physicality of hockey and football. And that's kind of the way I like to explain the sport to these people so Same they can relate here. to yeah. maybe some of those other mainstream sports. Going back a year ago, um, you had a bit of a different year in which you spent a lot of time on the practice roster, both in Rochester and in Saskatchewan. How challenging was that? Because, to be honest, I've never heard one complaint from you about it, despite having that unusual situation. Yeah, you really have two options when you're faced with adversity. You you can finger point or do some self um, reflection and evaluation. And um, there's there's no doubt, like the last year and a half, two years, um, everything that's happened to me is a direct result of of what I've done. And uh, when when you have success, I'm a big believer that you finger point. You think the people that are around you and the people you associate with. And when things don't go your way, um, you know, that's, that's when you take those fingers and you point them at yourself. And everything that's happened to me over the last couple of years is a direct result of my play. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to sit here and feel sorry for myself. You know, professional sports is what have you done for me lately. And there's so many good young players in this league. And if you're not... Um, contributing or performing at the level the team needs you to, um, unfortunately, um, they have to do what's best for the team. You're back on top of the power play, right where you belong, Dan Dawson. Uh, mind you, you were wearing, I, I requested you personally go out and find some purple compression pants. You and Polly now, I don't know how long this has been going on. I want to say this is like year three, year four. You guys were really the first guys to come out with it and, and show it to the rest of the world, in the lacrosse world, lacrosse players wearing compression pants. Uh, everybody gave you a real hard time about it when you first did it. Now everybody's doing it. So I like to think you're not only the innovator of the swim move, but also wearing compression pants in, in lacrosse. Um, how come no purples? And, and, and on the back of that, because that's not really a serious question, tell me how good Austin Stotts is. Oh, man, we'll start with the compression shorts. One, I always joke with the guys when I'm done playing, uh, you can say maybe we bought the compression shorts in. And a guy who I love and love playing with, Randy Stats, I remember his first year in the league, first game we're playing. 
uh, the swarm, and he said, "You're wearing your wife's leggings." He tripped, he tripped you for them. I think Randy might have even tried them on the next couple of years. So I think it was pretty funny. And it comes from maybe a placebo effect or um, there's a little bit of um, advantage, they say, with keeping your muscles warm. And um, But more than anything, the, the secondary part of it was the turf burn. Yeah. If you if you get turf burn in the NLL, Staff like infection. Jumbo, you know, it stays with you for the whole season. Yeah. Like it sticks to your your suit pant, it sticks to your bed sheet, it's gross. <laughs> and uh, the compression shorts have actually eliminated the turf burn on my legs. So I don't even really care about the athletic advantage, even if there is some or the placebo effect. It's more the turf burn. And I would say, like, half the guys are wearing them now. And then secondly, Austin Stats, um, you know, I, I talked to Teddy Jenner after the Colorado game. And you don't want to hype up a new guy too much because I think that's a little bit unfair, um, especially it's a, it's a lot of added pressure, let alone being the first overall pick. But Austin is is obviously legit. He's proven that the first four games through the season. He's just a gamer. And I'm a big believer that he's only going to get better because he's really bought into this. What does it mean to be a professional in the NLL? Um, he's not gotten away with talent to this point. His talent has got him, you know, eating right, training right, preparing for games um, the way that you need to. So to have longevity in this league. And for a young guy, that is hard to teach because when you perform at the level you do, you want to do it for a long time. And the only way you can do that is to have the lifestyle of a professional athlete and what it means to you. And we all know the league's changed a lot over the last decade, and if you don't, you know, injuries will creep up on you, and there's always someone willing to take your spot. One thing that uh, both Jake and I noticed quite a bit, especially in your opening game against Colorado, your role now seems to be much more of a, I call it a field general. You're the one directing the offense. You've got these other weapons with Stotts and Buchanan and whatnot that can feed the net. How is how do you see your role amongst this uh, this new group that, of course, hasn't played much together, but has uh, gelled very quickly? Yeah, I think the first I, I said this I was frank with Josh, and when we talked after every game, I, I watch a lot of game film. I thought I was shopping a bit from the outside a bit, and that's probably been my problem the last year and a half is that I have been passive and been more of a feeder and not even been a threat. Um, and then maybe last game I said, I've had enough of this. I'm going to go to the rack a little bit more. And I have to find that balance of, you know, you know, setting guys up. But at the same time, if you're not a threat in this league, you're, you're easily um, going to be defended. There's just too many good defenders. And if you're just a one threat up there, you have to be a dodger, a passer, and a shooter at all times. And I need to do a better job of that. But, you know, the ball goes through Austin this year. You know, he's got the green light to to engage whenever he wants to shoot the ball whenever he wants and rightfully so he's proven that and um i think we have a, a, an offensive door that we're going to have a new guy every night i think turner's going to get his three one night i think bucky's going to get his three the other night you know casey jackson it's just going to rotate and i think that's where we're going to be successful when we get one or two from everyone out the odor and we'll get a new guy getting that three or four goals 
um, to complement Austin. Speaking with Dan Dawson, what's what's a reasonable expectation for the Seals this year, Dan? Is it is it making the playoffs? I know you just got to get ahead of one team, but I mean, are you guys looking to win a playoff round, uh, host a playoff game? What's what's a reasonable expectation here for San Diego? Yeah, I think you got you know every team says the same thing; they want a championship every year, but then you have to break that down into realistic goals. Um, we are not going to use the word expansion as a crutch. Oh well, that was a great um, year; we were an expansion team. They've been very aggressive um, from the get-go, Patrick and Steve and the staff of um, assembling, you know, some great free agents and people in um, the expansion draft and entry draft. So our goal is to make the playoffs, there's no doubt. And then we break that down weekly. Get into the playoffs, we want to earn a spot. Um, So right now we're concentrating week to week and we're really breaking the season down right now into thirds. And after this weekend, we're one-third done our season, and we have a huge back-to-back um, with two Western teams, with Calgary on Friday, and then we fly out to Vancouver on Saturday. So that's kind of the goal right now, is focusing on Calgary, because um, you know they gave us one in Calgary that well, we need to get back. They're going to win the series against us if we, if we give them that one on Friday. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I know you got a workout to get to, a team workout down in San Diego. Uh, I'm just kind of picturing the boys uh, running along the beach like Rocky and, and Apollo Creed style uh, shirts off and and getting after it down there, Dan. Um, obviously, some some not an easy subject to talk about by any means, but uh, something I, I want to get your thoughts on because – You've been around this league a long time, and, and you obviously uh, are a very smart guy. Uh, Philadelphia and Lyle Thompson, um, some real kind of shameful actions by a couple of fans and, and a PA announcer there. Have you reached out to Lyle? Uh, what what was your takeaway from it, and, and what would you you know say to people that just give me your general thoughts on it, man. A lot of people are calling for this guy's job. They they don't believe the apology. And, and I think just uh, Evan and I have kind of surmised that it's about education for, for a lot of people that they just don't understand the tra- tradition, the history, the culture, all of that sort of stuff. Uh, where, where do you come out on all this, Dan? It's tough. Cause uh, I've been off social media for a little bit. So I, I haven't seen the post, but the guys put it in the group chat and, you know, it was disheartening when you even saw it within our own team, and we're not associated with the Swarm, but I think our love of the sport brings us all together. And and what happened to Lyle, like, Lyle's the best player in the game. His message is unbelievable. The way he talks, the way he plays the game um, is, is just fun to watch, um, except when you're playing against him. Um, what happened in Philadelphia, I was not there. Um, it's inexcusable what happened. And I think you're exactly right. It comes down to education and speaking from a Canadian who, um, you know, our country is just finally recognizing with the truth and reconciliation and everything that's happening in our own country. Um, maybe that hasn't hit home down South. Um, because I'm still learning about the history of lacrosse in, in Canada and where it comes from. And I've been playing the game since grade six. So it's just such a tough subject. I can only say that I think Lyle's handed. And I think the league is, is obviously going to take steps to uh, make sure this is handled accordingly. And uh, we just, we can't have that 
how far our sport has come and the deeper meaning behind the sport and where it comes from. Like this sport has been, a, it's a gift to us and, and where it comes from. And, um, I, I, I don't even know how to comment more than that, to be honest. Yeah. I, I, I know you, you dropped out of there a second and I, and I just wanted to, kind of say that I, I know where you're going about Lyle and, and the way he's been able to kind of handle this and I mean what Lyle is about as sweet and soft-spoken uh as a as a guy you can ever imagine and the way he has um endorsed this sport and the message that he delivers and and how he is an absolute beacon for an entire culture of people is almost like you could not have picked a worse guy not that it's right at any time but to go at lyle thompson is just disgusting this and you like literally watch him like his game in toronto like his final two goals was just absolutely sick and then the next game he puts a team on his back again like <laughs> he's so he has elevated his game like he's elevated his game the last three four years like to the next level but what really impresses me is the beating he takes the hard loose balls he gets um the rides he does like it's the little things like forget about the four goals a game but let's get back to the beating he takes i've never seen him get a coincidental penalty yeah i've never and he can run all night when he gets dirtied out there and he can run yeah and he's never complained once to the ref he just goes off and uh unbelievable for this to happen to a guy like that he never asked for it and uh it's inexcusable Entering the twilight of your career right now, and uh, you know, even this summer with the whole Canadian uh, lacrosse team, people were suggesting maybe your role in the future should be to take over that program, or maybe there's a coaching role. What do you see your future in lacrosse after your playing days are finished? Uh, that's a great question, and I've I've made this clear. I listened to a podcast from the Spit and Chicklets, and. Adam Oates was on there in his new role with player development. Um, I think we don't do a good enough job in the NLL as developing our young talent, let alone the American players that are relatively new to the indoor game. I think there's a real market for player development on a one-on-one level. And I know what's inhibiting that is the ability of getting people together. Like when we get together in San Diego, Saskatoon, Vancouver, wherever it is, it's like team concepts. Let's get our philosophies down, power play, short man, tranny, last minute OD. But how many times in 18 years have I really had an hour with an O coach of like, here's what you did on 10 shifts in the game. Here's the shot you need to work on. This is the shot you're getting. This is how you need to finish. This is how you need to set your picks. Yeah. Like that's what we need in this game to develop American players and the young Canadian players. Tell them how to eat right, how to work out right, how to be a professional, how to talk to the media. And that's what I would love to segue into and be like a player development coach and working with guys one-on-one. I've always loved that. When I do it with youth players, I see, um, the confidence they get from that. And I think that's where we could take this sport to the next level. I just don't know if financially there's a market for it or even if there's time for it, how we could make that work. But that's what we need in order to take this sport to the next level. Because we're losing so many amazing players 
that could be the next Jay there. that could be the next Drew Westerbolt. But we need guys to like to, to work with them on a one-on-one level. Oh my God! I hope you actually get to do that, Dan. I think that is just an amazing idea. That uh, this is why we love to talk to you here on Lacrosse Classified. That is innovative thinking, and I think it's absolutely brilliant. I'm going to send this directly to the CLA, right to Joey Harris's email address, uh, and make sure that he cues that little section up and listens to it because it's something the Canadian Lacrosse Association needs to take note of. And I really hope they make that happen. Uh, Dan, I know you got to get to your workout. I appreciate your time as always, my friend. Uh, have fun down there with the Seals this week. And uh, I really hope uh, you make your way to Langley in September in one capacity or another so we can catch up in person uh, come the World Championship. Jumbo, like I said before, I, we really appreciate guys like you and all you do for the sport. Without you, we wouldn't be in the mainstream media. And, uh, I know your love is infectious, so anytime I get a chance to talk to you, I'm all for it, buddy. Hey, right back at you. Dan Dawson of the San Diego Seals, everybody. One more quick segment to come here on Extreme Threads Lacrosse Classified. We'll wrap this puppy up. We'll look ahead to the week that is about to happen in the National Lacrosse League. Seven, count them up, ladies and gentlemen, seven big games on deck here. It's going to be a star-studded edition of Who You Got. Stay tuned to Lacrosse Classified. Serving the business and sports community since 2018, Extreme Threads provides custom design apparels around the world. Specializing in lacrosse, they deliver exceptional quality and service, customizing box and field team apparel and uniforms. Extreme Threads offers free design work and takes the time to ensure you get exactly what you need for your team or club. Contact Extreme Threads at sales at extremethreads.ca for your custom apparel needs today. Hey, this is Sean Rogers, the captain of the Toronto Rock, and you're listening to Lacrosse Classified on Lax All-Stars Podcast Network. All right, lacrosse fans, welcome back to Lacrosse Classified here on the Lax All-Stars Podcast Network. Thanks to our friends, as always, at Extreme Threads, our title sponsor here on Lacrosse Classified. Fans, customize your team with Extreme. You know the drill by now. You sign your team up for an apparel package. You can get the bag, the jerseys, the practice jerseys, the jackets, the shirts. Uh, They got it all, gear, you name it. Extreme Threads, they just moved into a brand new warehouse. They got a fancy new showroom. Uh, So you can check out all that at ExtremeThreads.ca. Then when you're ready to sign up, go to sales at ExtremeThreads.com. You mention my name, you get free stuff, and it doesn't get any better than that, so just do it. It's the growing sensation that all lacrosse fans love to hear and take part in. It is Who You Got? Uh, featuring myself and Evan Schemenauer. A big week on deck here in the National Cross League, Evan. A seven-pack of games to go through and pick in another edition of Who You Got. Now, we are tied in the standings. You went 4-1 and one last week. I went 3-2. and two. So since you got more wins, that means I get to ask <laughs> who you got. Uh, so let's go through this first game on the docket. The Georgia Swarm are into Toronto. It's not the ACC anymore. I believe it is the Scotiabank Center in Toronto, Ontario. Swarm and Rock, who played to an overtime game in Toronto earlier in the season. Evan, who you got? Yeah, it's a coin flip on this one. I'm going to take the Swarm. I still think they're the best team in the league. It's for no other reason than that, but 
yeah, it's a coin flip. You can pick it either way. Well, I will pick it the other way, Evan Sheminara. I will take the Toronto Rock, who have found a way to lose or win. A, they lost an overtime game, but then they won an overtime game. Then they just won another one goal game. So last couple, they found a win in close games. I think it's going to be another close game here against Georgia. A little retribution on the line for Toronto, who took that overtime loss to Georgia on their home floor. They get some payback on Friday night. I'm taking the rock. Uh, next up, Calgary and San Diego. This is another rematch. Uh, these two teams played earlier. Calgary was uh, convincing winners in that opener against those two. Uh, they will play in San Diego this time, however, on a Friday night. Roughnecks, Seals, Evan, who you got? This is another tough one. It's, these are not easy games this week, but I'm taking the Roughnecks for the simple reason that I don't think Christian Delvianco will have two performances in a row like that. Yes, I think uh, Curtis Dixon with a game under his belt, that changes things. I think he's going to figure it out a little bit with Dutch. I think Delbianco will have a bounce back. That Calgary defense has been really good. I think it was an off night for them in their last game. Calgary into San Diego on a Friday night. I will take the Roughnecks as well. Our next game to the Mohegan Sun Casino Swarm. Play the first back-to-back of the National Cross League season. Swarm and Black Wolves at the casino. Evan, who you got? Uh, I just don't like Georgia's schedule here. They're going to be playing a heck of a tough game in Toronto, then having to fly to Boston, drive to the Mohegan Sun. Uh, and then play New England. I just don't like that much energy having to be expanded ahead of the game. I'm going to take the Black Wolves just for that reason. I will take the Swarm. I think they're a well-conditioned, well-oiled unit. They know how to play in these back-to-back situations. It's nothing for them. They'll want a little payback after losing the night before, like I predicted, taking Toronto. So I will take Georgia in this one. You got the Black Wolves. I got the Swarm. Let's move on. We're going to Bandit Land. Another rematch from earlier in the season. It was a tight one. It was coming right down to the wire. Buffalo found a way to win it. It's the Bandits, it's the Wings, it's the oldest rivalry, I believe, in the National Lacrosse League. Evan Schemenauer, who you got? I got the Bandits. I don't think this one's going to be as close uh, this go-around. Billy's still got some kinks to work out. Unfortunately, we could have the best 0-5 team by the end of this week. That is a great statement, and I believe it to be true. I'm taking the Bandits as well here until Philadelphia goes out and proves they can win a game and win in those crucial situations. i got to pick against them, so I'm taking Buffalo at home against the Wings. Next up, Saskatchewan at the Sastel Center. It's a rematch, Evan Sheminar, of last year's NLL Cup. Not the Champions Cup anymore, people. It's just the NLL Cup. Saskatchewan, of course, victorious in that one, but the two teams will meet again for the first time since then. Nighthawks, Rush, who you got? Well, let me ask you this first. Being in the lower mainland, how are you going to adjust to minus 27 degree temperatures when you land in Saskatoon? I will wear a toque, put, maybe put some mittens on, and I will be fine. Uh, I don't spend a whole lot of time outdoors when I'm in the tune anyways. Well, let's put it this way. Uh, Rochester gets frozen out in Saskatchewan. Oh, nice little word play there. I think this will be a Saskatchewan win as well. I think we're in for a fantastic lacrosse game, but I think Saskatchewan prevails 
on their home floor. Robert Church will score a goal in that game as well. Let me go out on a limb and say that. So we both got the rush in that one. Next up, San Diego will play at home Friday night. They will take to the road on Saturday night and a matchup against the Vancouver Warriors. Evan, who you got? The back-to-back makes this one a little bit of a difficult pick. I'm still going to take the Seals. Um, Two reasons. One, Vancouver is horrendous at home. I don't know why, but they just do not seem to win there. And the other reason is San Diego's a younger team. They're going to have the ability to recover better. I think they'll still be fine, even though they got to play back-to-back. A few of those San Diego players from British Columbia as well. However, I will take the Vancouver Warriors to get their first home win at Rogers Arena. I feel like this team is on the cusp of doing some good things. They've come up short lately, however... But they want to impress those home fans there in Vancouver. I think they need to get a win, and this may be their best opportunity to get it against the expansion San Diego Seals. So I will take my former club, the Vancouver Warriors, to beat the Seals in that one. A matinee affair, some Sunday lacrosse seven. Now we always like that here on Lacrosse Classified. It'll be Calgary and Colorado. So Calgary plays on the Friday. They get a day off and then go to mile high. Take your pick. Do you spend it in San Diego or Denver if you're the Roughnecks? Uh, you you probably spend it in Denver, although you'd like to spend it in San Diego just because you'd like to get that rest in the hotel before you, you got to play a game. I'm taking Colorado. I just think they're due. Um, they've been clo- they got close this week to getting that first win. I think they finally do it. I've seen improvement every week out of Colorado, and I think that trend will continue. Calgary with that day off in between. I highly doubt they head home, so they stay on the road. Where do they stay is the question. You can have a good time in either city. I know that much. But I will take the Colorado Mammoth as well. I don't see Pat Coyle letting that team slip to 0-4 and put themselves in real jeopardy of not making the playoffs. So it's a big game for the Mammoth. So I will take Colorado in that one as well. Let's recap it here quickly, Evan. Get your pen and paper ready. You got the Swarm. I got Toronto. We're both taking Calgary in San Diego. No, that's wrong. I'm wrong already. You're taking San Diego at home against Calgary. Am I right? No, I'm taking Calgary. Okay, we both got Calgary. I was right the first time, so that doesn't count. Then Georgia and New England. I got Georgia. You got New England. We're both taking the Bandits to beat the Wings. We're both taking the Rush to beat Rochester. You got the Seals. I got the Warriors. We both have the Mammoth. Those are picks for this week's Who You Got. Uh, Good luck, Evan. This is going to be a real pivotal week in Who You Got to see who kind of takes a lead coming out of this week uh could be could be substantial could be a three-game lead or it could be a one-game lead it can't be tied though that is correct i'll leave that to you i i believe it to be true since you are a chartered accountant uh (laughs) a few housekeeping notes uh before we get you on your way i just have seen a press release be released from the philadelphia wings and shawnee hill has been relieved of his duties Uh, in regards to the Wings and PA announcing at the Wells Fargo Center and that also Philadelphia and the National Lacrosse League will be working closely together to come up with some diversity training 
for its employees. So uh, things are happening, Evan, and I think the league and, and obviously Philadelphia dealt with it uh, in the best way they saw fit, and there you go with that. Uh, a sad note here on Lacrosse Classified, long-time scorekeeper, Operator uh, in the WLA and the BC Junior Leagues are around here in the Lower Mainland. Phil Lehman uh, passing away after a long battle with cancer, and he was just a guy that was a, a staple in arenas around uh, here, British Columbia, for the better part of, I want to say, 50 to 60 years. Just uh, a nicest man as you're ever going to meet, uh, and, and Phil will be missed around here by the lacrosse community. A, a quick shout-out, uh, Evan, to my man... Uh, Steve Newfeld at Lacrosse Experts. I don't know if you saw the picture I posted up on IG, but uh, a nice string king lime green head done up uh, with some black mesh and uh, green shooters uh, to go in Saskatchewan colors. The thing throws like a dime right off the bat. I uh, had a chance to get out and whip it around a little bit, so uh, big shout-out to Lacrosse Experts. Anything you need for the upcoming summer season, make sure you go check out my guy there at uh, Lacrosse Experts in Coquitlam. I know the U19 Team Canada Girls Tournament roster will be announced shortly, maybe late this week, early next week. Uh, so best of luck to all the females that tried out for that team. Evan, I know you had something before uh, we got you on your way here. Absolutely. Last week we posted the photos of the arena in Bermuda and it got quite the reaction on social media. To let everybody know, the phone calls have been happening with Bermuda Lacrosse. They are very excited to see something happen. Now, there's a lot of logistics to work out. Um, you know, when you're dealing with a foreign country, it's not always easy to just get things moving. But we are working on it uh, with a target date of October 2020 for a field and a box tournament, the women's tournament. Uh, so it's going to be uh, lacrosse showcases the concept. Here's how you can help us, though, right now. If you are seriously interested in attending, let myself know, let Jumbo know uh, that you want to come because we need to get some numbers solidified to know how many teams are coming to drive the support on the island to get that sponsorship we need to make this happen. Yeah, I think uh, the, the general premise is to have uh, a men's elite uh, division, a master's, and maybe a grandmaster's, and if we can get a female's uh, division going for this. Now, keep in mind, this is an indoor or an outdoor box is essentially what it is. Uh, making sure you check out Shem Lax's picture uh, on Twitter. Um, so, yeah, if you want to get a hold of us, you can find me, pxpforsports at gmail.com, or find me on social media, send me a message. Uh, my DMs are open, as the kids say, Evan, so you should be able to get a hold of me. Um, make sure you check us out. Subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, all your podcast outlets. Don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Lax Class. He's at Shem Lax. I'm at PXP for Sports. And we come to you here on the Lacrosse All-Stars Podcast Network every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. Every single week, man. Another one done, Evan. Uh, we gotta go. For Evan Shevinar, I've been Jake Elliott and for the fastest game on two feet, and for my man, the creator. Have a good one, everybody.